Hello and welcome to the Sensibility Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Baker, a financial advisor, money mindset coach, and all-out money guru when it comes to creating the financial future you are after. This is the podcast where we make talking money normal and manifesting into our lives practical. I share with you money mindset tips and tricks as well as practical financial strategies to help you create the financial life and relationship with money that you deserve. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome back to the Sensibility Podcast. I'm super excited today because I have a special guest on. This is John Casher. He's also a financial advisor, but I got him on because he's a broker. And in this current crazy climate, we really do need to have a really solid relationship with our broker if we've got a mortgage. So welcome to the show, John. Thanks for having me, Amy. It's exciting to be here. You know, it's a very popular topic that we're going to be speaking about today. It's something that's on the minds of a lot of people and it affects, you know, nearly everyone you know that, that's working or even retired as well too from an investment perspective there's you know cash rate increases affecting you know those guys and then obviously we've got the mortgage mortgage holders as well too which it's which has been affecting for you know you know about six months let's be honest these interest rate rises it has and it's sort of not over yet so before we jump into this hot topic i just want to get you to just share a bit about yourself and your business and what you do and where you specialise for our listeners just so they kind of get an idea of your authority on the topic, shall I say. Yeah, no, that's it. That's it. Well, mine's actually, I, I might just start for a little bit about my journey because it's very important. So I started actually in the profession at the age of 14. I went to go work for my cousin's financial advisory practice and loved it and kind of never looked back. And from knowing what I wanted to do from such a young age, I understood that you know, financial planning and the lending aspect of it kind of goes hand in hand with one another. So, you know, I've, I've dedicated 20 years of my life. So if you did the maths, I'm about to turn 34 and you know, I dedicated my life to, to helping people with their finances and realize their goals and aspirations. And, you know, one of those aspirations always is around, in Australia anyways, around owning a home or owning property or whatnot. So it's a, it's a big part of, of, of what we do. And, we also specialize now in, in the, the kind of millennial cohort, okay? So, you know, you're looking at really kind of that late 20s to, you know, early 40s, mid 40s kind of age group. And, you know, in that age group, they usually do have debt. They usually got a lot of moving parts, young families and whatnot. And uh, yeah, just trying to deliver as, as, as much impactful changes and strategies to these individuals. And, and for us, it made sense as well to, to have that lending arm to help facilitate that and we'll obviously go through a lot of that today in regards to that you know why we believe that so to be so important about working with a broker and working with someone on their lending side absolutely well you're really in that in 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 our industry speak the accumulation phase for people's lives so it's when we're accumulating our wealth but we're also accumulating debt to make that wealth actually happen so in terms of that we you're dealing most likely I'd say you've got some young families some young couples at this point in time are you getting a lot of people very concerned or starting to feel the pinch yeah they're starting to feel the pinch but I think one of the biggest things we do as advisors as you know Amy is we can't predict but we can prepare and what we've always done is be making sure that Leading up to this, there was an environment where there was historic lows. You know, the cash rate was at point, you know, point one zero. We knew that rates were unlikely to stay there for a considerably long time. Now, 
What was a little bit of an issue was there was a forward guidance from the RBA that was saying that they were going to kind of keep the cash rate there to 2024. But still, what we've always done is be making sure that we're both on the lending side and the financial planning side, that when we're modeling and forecasting and projecting and making sure that we're working with people's lending, that we're using a buffer rate or an assessment rate when we're looking at this this stuff. And, and for people to you know just break this down a little bit easier, for example, when you go to get a loan, okay, we're not saying that you can service the loan on the actual rate that you're getting, okay? Obviously, it's the broker's job to try and get you the cheapest rate possible, but also around the affordability of that loan is done at an assessment rate. If it, for example, your actual rate, say 3%, okay, while the assessment rate might be 6.5% or it might be 7%. Now, in the financial planning side, we've always done 3% above your actual rate or the five-year fixed rate from the CBA, okay, whichever is greater, okay? And by doing that, a lot of our clients have been able to walk into this environment. Yes, prepared. Yes, they haven't liked what they've seen and their cash flow has been changed, like impacted, but we've been probably very fortunate that we've, we've been able to kind of help our clients move through this. Now, it comes from good preparation, okay, we have obviously had a lot of newer clients approach us where they're also, you know, struggling to make ends meet. They've maybe allocated their cash flow to areas that were not as smart as they should have been or not as well prepared and they find themselves kind of chasing their tail. And the other one that I've been doing a lot of education around is around the investment strategy. And what I mean by that is in 2020, 2021, you know, markets were rallying. There was a bit of FOMO. Everyone's kind of wanting to become the next greatest investor. And they're allocating a lot of their money towards this investment strategy. And they were focusing on returns and not on the risks. And the risk, and I'm not, uh, the risk here that I'm actually talking about is not the risk of the investment going down in value. That's a part of investing and people need to be aware of that. The biggest one that we saw was that people weren't leaving enough in the war chest. And so now they've, they've found themselves in a situation where they've got all of their money tied up in investments. They've got nothing in the war chest. They're living off minimum. And so they're now being forced to change their investment strategy, potentially sell down in a downward market, realize losses to then bank in those cash reserves. And it's a learning curve for everyone. And I think everything is a learning curve. But this is what we're seeing a lot of, okay? And we're having to try and solve and strategize these issues to try and, to try and solve. Yeah, I, I agree with you on all of that. We, we have an investment arm in the business, but I'm big on doing the same thing you do, that forecast, and let's look at the outcomes, the potential outcomes with interest rates. So when we're forecasting the same, a mortgage, for example, I always say, let's, we increase that. Mm -hmm. I know what your rate is right now, but... That's not going to be forever. Let's assume that that is higher. And, and if you can, the whole goal is you don't want to be in debt unless we're doing some kind of gearing strategy, which is a different... We'll, we'll park that idea for a moment. But when we're de dealing with the principal property and your cost of living and also the whole concept of I want to create wealth as well. So those three things are key things that create this whole great financial plan. The fact is we should always be covering an extra buffer into our mortgages as well as into a savings account and then and then also have that investment strategy. But it all comes down, in my opinion, is that cash flow modelling piece. So look, telling your money where to go, knowing your numbers, 
So if you've got that prevention already, you, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're training your clients along the way, it sounds like you're doing that. It's the new clients that are coming in, that, and I see this too, that they're set in this way, their thinking is my mortgage is 2.85 or whatever it may be, and it's like, yeah, it's a variable, mm. but it's going to keep jumping up. So we've got to now remodel the way you look at your mortgage, remodel the, the, the cash flow plan so that we're pouring more money in. And while your interest rates are low, this is the perfect time to do that because now you're actually you know, building in some capital there. You know, as, as if you've got a fixed loan, I'm, I'm concentrating on those fixed lower amounts. Get as much if we can. Of course, there's rules around that depending on who you've borrowed with and what mm-hmm. the rules are. Sometimes you can only put an extra 10 in per year with the fixed. So we'll mm-hmm. talk about that in a moment. But these are really good strategies that a lot of people don't think about. I think we're very knee-jerk reaction when it comes to our finances. We're like, oh, wow, we get a mortgage. Woohoo, I've got one. And it's sort of like then we don't think what the bigger picture is. I think we're in this world of instant gratification and everything sort of this is happening and that's happening and life gets in the way and the kids are coming along and then something like this happens, this current economic climate that, you know, many of us in this in this field we would see coming but not many in the, if you're not in finance, you wouldn't have really understood why and how and how big it's going to be over the next few years. So I really loved everything you just said. Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, Amy. Thanks, Amy. And it's obviously, you know, for the for the view for the listeners, for the viewers, it's it's an area that you know I have a strong passion for. I know Amy, you've got a really strong passion for, and I just I'm just concerned that there's a lot of people just going about with their finances and not really taking a a, a focus on it. And the rich are getting richer, and the poor are getting poorer. Okay, and the most wealthiest clients that I work with focus on making sure. That they, you know, got high levels of financial literacy. They've got structures and processes in place, and they're making sure that they're making the decisions based on logic and not based on emotion. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we have a massive focus on obviously a lot of that, and I know you do, Amy, as well. And I think that for people that are finding themselves in that situation where they may feel like they're, you know, on that hamster wheel that they're not moving forward, this is the time to knuckle down, get professional advice, and actually do something about it. And I think it, it goes to say that a lot of people take their finances very similar to what, the way they take their health. And if I don't have the kind of research yet, but I reckon if I went through my like client list and I married up the people who focus a lot on their health and their wealth is, is good too, okay? And the reason being is because when it comes to health, most people change their ways once they've had a massive like health scare or something's happened. You know, I was speaking to a guy on the weekend. We were just at a at a birthday. He had a triple bypass, yeah, and he and I could see that he was watching what he eats. He was watching what he does, and I'm like, "Were you were you like this beforehand?" And he's like, "No, I used to smoke fifty cigarettes a day. I used to eat what I wanted to do. You know, I have." So when you think about that, yeah, we are as humans psychologically kind of. I want that food. I want it. I want that cigarette to make me feel good. Like. So when it comes to the finances, it's the same thing. It's the chase the get rich quick mm-hmm. kind of scenarios. It's, oh, I want that bag. I'll get that bag. I want to go on that holiday. I want to go, get on that holiday. And it's not, you're not looking at what you're actually, you know, in a, in a diet world, you're not looking at your calorie in, yep. ins and outs, you know. And when it comes exactly to your finances, same. it's the exact same scenario. It's a dopamine so, hit. And that's why that focus, I, I mean, you've heard, you probably heard me, I'm, I rant on about the mindset. The mindset is actually such a, fundamental piece to this 
puzzle, right? As you've just pointed out, the clients that are doing well, they have a growth mindset. They've got a mindset to actually do the research, to look at the long-term picture and not just be that state of knee-jerk reaction. When we're in that knee-jerk reaction, we've often got these subconscious drivers and we're basically being driven by our brains to have the dopamine and have the, you know, the good feels and then we would fall straight back into sort of stress and then we're chasing the good again. And that's the sort of cycle that we, I see, and I know for a fact by what you're telling me, you see with clients and their money. <laughs> and it's just a matter of going, hey, guys, have a little bit more mindfulness so that you're not in that space of feeling like you're falling down, you know, you're in a spin and going into that state of stress and anxiety over your finances, especially when the RBA is going to be potentially lift rates. We know that's happening. We've got a war on inflation. So it's going to happen. It's about being prepared about that, which is leading my next question. In preparation, if somebody sort of got, say, a fixed loan right now and it's going to come to maturity soon, what should they be doing at this point? Would they be looking at maybe another fix? Because I've seen some fixed rates and they're pretty high. Where do you, what sort of advice or, you know, in terms of structure, strategy, split, what would you be talking yeah. to people about in this mm -hmm. current climate? Yeah, well, regardless, I reckon actually what the, what the climate is, this is the purpose of fix. Fix is really around certainty, okay? And it boils down to when you're looking at your strategy, when you're looking at your cash flow plan, what certainty and repayments do I need? Okay. Now rates can go up, rates can go down. And the problem that most people do is they try and like beat the market in regards to their fixed rates. Now I can tell you that a lot of these lenders have huge teams, actuarial data in regards to how they price their fixed rates. Now, even for example, the fixed rates that were through COVID, people are like, yeah, I want it. Yeah, that's because they were also getting free money, the, the you know, the, the the banks. Okay. So in this new environment where that is that free money is not being provided to these lenders, these new fixed rates are priced accordingly in regards to the lenders making money. And you also got to look at the psychology. So we've been talking about this greed factor. Now we also need to talk about this fear factor. And when they started increasing their fixed rates on the back of the RBA kind of interest rate rises happening, I could see that they were putting a little bit of cream on top, okay, from my professional opinion. And this was because they wanted people to kind of lock in these rates. Now, you've got to remember, when you lock in rates, you're also being very restrictive on a few things. So the flexibility to kind of move lenders, okay, creating that lack of competition for you. Therefore, if the environment changes in 12, 24 months, but you've locked in for four years, for example, what does that kind of look like for you? And also the, the ability of how much gets repaid into that as well too. Like Amy, you were discussing, there's some lenders that will only let you put in a certain amount. Yeah. There's some lenders that don't have that restriction. There's lenders who will let you have an offset account against the fixed loan. There's some that won't. Okay. And so you've got to boil down your strategy in regards to what certainty I want. Yeah. Do I want the whole thing to be certainty? But remember in the current environment, you might be paying that premium. Okay. Now in Australia, we are predominantly variable rate. Okay. Predominantly. Okay. And the reason why that is the case, we've always had a, an environment where we've had good economic conditions as interest rates have rise, usually wages have rise with that. Okay. As rates have come down, Wages have frozen. If you kind of look back historically, last five, 10 years, think about that, okay? 
think about at the moment, a lot of people are pushing their incomes up. They're kind of chasing what they can. And what are they doing? At the end of the day, rates are increasing as well. So I'm not in favor of doing one, like all fixed, okay? I think there needs to be always a variable portion in that loan. And that usually gives you that ability to kind of repay. Remember, we're trying to pay down mm -hmm. this debt, especially the non-deductible debt as quickly as yep. we can. But also as well too, with my financial advisor hat, we've also got to look at the landscape here, economically speaking, okay? And economically speaking, we've got this ramp up to try and keep this inflation under control, okay? Now, interest rates aren't going to keep increasing forever, okay? They're not like for people that are sitting there going, oh my gosh, this is never going to end. They're going to get back up to 18%. Now, listen, I don't like crystal balling, but I can probably, you know, <laughs> if I'm a betting man, which I'm not, yeah, it's very unlikely for it to get back to up to like the 18% levels that we saw in the 80s and 90s, okay? Early I agree. 90s. And the reason why that is the case the reason why that is the case, Amy, is because we're so hypersensitive in regards to the property market, in regards to lending rates. And when people are looking over in the US, for example, as regarding a key indicator, they don't have the levels of household debt that we've got in Australia, okay? And so why is that important for, for you guys here listening is because the RBA cash rates increases are much more potent, okay? So when they increase by half a percent, that's like the US increasing at say a 0.75 or a 1%, okay? Because the, the level of a, how quickly it hits the household, okay? The other thing as well too, the RBA's increase in this, like in October, okay? That also is a sign that the RBA is waiting for the economic data to catch up, okay? Now, it's not to say that inflation is under control now, they're taking the foot off the gas and that's the end, they're not but they're at least waiting for the data, okay? Remember, when you look at things like the stock market or when you look at the property market, they are people's pricing expectations on where they want to be in 12 months, 24 months, three years. The RBA, yes, they're trying to do some forward guidance in regards to that, but they've also got to catch the economic data. Like, has the unemployment rate increased, yeah? Have we actually felt people you know, without homes, how's the foreclosures, how's mortgage stress? Once they start to capture all of that data, it's going to be able to see where they are. And really, Amy, let's talk about it. The cash rate's at, what, 2.6%? Historically speaking, that's the norm. <laughs> like, that's the exactly. average. I think I think it's the mindset around, it's the mindset around this, oh my gosh, we were at 0.10%. If you can't afford the cash rate at 2.6%, you need to start thinking about this long-term, not short-term, am I in a position to carry this amount of debt for the next 20, 30 years of my life? Yeah, you got to start getting a game Absolutely. plan. Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up because we've had this false sense of security in some respects, but it's like, really, was that secure? Like, let's let's look at it from, I mean, we can look at it from our, our household's point of view. We were complacent. We had the a very bullish market for two years during COVID. Spending, even though we were, most of us in lockdown, went off the Richter, especially online, although there was backups with, you know, bringing things in you know, from overseas and whatnot, we were seeing huge flux of money being moved around the world, not just here. We see, you know, we basically are sort of a, a ripple effect from what goes on overseas in the US and, and, the, and, and Europe, but more so the US, I feel, but because their inflation problem started 
well over a year ago, uh, I was expecting the US feds to do something last year. They were a bit slow off the mark. I feel the horse has already bolted. And that had an effect on us because it is, this money is, is global. It globally moves around. The fact is in our households, we've got this space of feeling because our, you know, our super funds were going up, our house prices were going up, all of this sort of sense of wealth creation was happening in the last couple of years. We started being aware of that and people being at home had more time. I mean, I didn't get many new clients during COVID, but I was talking to my existing clients far more often. I was dealing with, you know, redundancies and money that people weren't expecting. It was a a very unusual time, but I think we kind of took our eye off the ball. As you sort of pointed out, let's think about the actual cash rate, how low it was. And the reality is this is actually normal. The where we're heading is normality. When I started in, in finance, you know, I was in banking, average rates were around seven and eight percent for a mortgage. I am also showing my age. But you know, then as they started going down, I remember them going down to four percent, going, Wow, that's awesome. Then we started seeing them go further and further, and then they stayed low for a very long time. And I think we have come into a space of complacency. And I know it's hard on some families that have kind of got set in their ways with the cost of living and the cost of living is high. We're dealing in a high inflation world. But it's now a matter, as you sort of said, re-strategizing. Let's look at the strategy. Let's look at the long-term picture. Let's look at the cash flow. Let's look at what is needed to be done now so that we can move forward. We've got to sort of not, we've got to stop this knee-jerk reaction and stop sitting in the fear and really go, okay, I've been complacent. What do I do next? Where do I go from here? How do I see this next move take me to where I need to go? And when I say the next move, we're talking the RBA increasing rates, maybe seeing that inflation starts to come down, maybe knowing that you might not be able to sell off any of your assets right now because we're in a very volatile market. So it's sitting on the fence and having a real good think and look about where we're heading. So when we're talking structure of mortgages, I agree with you in terms of being aware of fixed. I also feel that variables are great space to play in because you can have that flexibility. And and you also probably could move people around a bit with variable, right? So and yeah, one one hundred percent, and that's that's the biggest thing that people underestimate. It's it's around remember when they're locking you in, they're mm-hmm. locking you in. Like, especially a lot of people that I saw that went for really long term fix, they're going like five years, four years, whatnot. Okay, now don't get me wrong. There's certain circumstances where that kind of is 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 valid. Okay, but I've seen more problems with fixed than I have with variable. Okay, because you've got to think about it. Like with variable. With your situation can say change your household situation and it allows us to readjust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're in a fixed, yes, you might be on that good rate, but you also can't readjust your strategy. So we've also got clients, for example, that came to us through COVID, locked in the lower rates, but we still can't restructure the way that their money flows. Like for example, yeah, they might have a great rate, but rate's not everything. Yeah. You could have the greatest rate ever and the poorest strategy. But, and I'll tell you right now, the one with the average rate and the greatest strategy will win hands down, yeah? And so this is why when we're working, we're working so close together with lending. Like lending as a product is right down the end of our decision tree. 
like right down the end. That's what, that's the final solution to that problem. Yeah. The actual biggest thing is the lead up in regards to the strategic side of things. How's the cash flow strategy, the debt strategy, how does that play in the overall goals and aspirations? And I think Amy is just the, the biggest thing is that both from a government perspective, both from a media perspective, you know, social media, everything, when it comes to lending, everyone's talking about rate. Everyone's talking about rate. But don't talk about rate. Like, just don't focus on the rate. The rate you can't control, okay? As in, you can't control cash rates going up. That's not your job, okay? Focus on what you mm -hmm. can control. And if you lift the lid on what you can control, I can tell you there's always leakages in regards to people's so finances. True. They're putting money into areas that they... That, it, that they shouldn't be, okay? They don't have a system. They don't have a structure. They don't have the right mindset and behaviors in regards to what they're doing. They're not focusing on education to prepare themselves to be better and what we call wealth creation mm -hmm. ninjas, okay? It, when people say to me, John, how do you feel about the current environment? I'm excited as hell. And people are like... <laughs> I am too. I <laughs> think this like, is the perfect storm. Like, it's wake up, everybody. Wake up. We're here. This is reality. I actually think it's fantastic. This is a time where we're called to actually say, I, I do need to take, you know, take control. I do need a strategy. You know, I am always saying to my students and my clients, if you don't tell your money where to go, it will leave. And boy, does it. When I look at, and I make this compulsory for every client, they give me 90 days of their spending in a CSV. And it's confronting. But we pull it out very quickly and we can pull out where they how much discretionary, how much they're fixed. And the variables being, you know, you've got to have, but they change from week to week, like your petrol and your food and things like that. Things that you have to factor into your, your budget. I don't like using the word budget. We call it our cash flow. But that discretionary spending is often very high in most cases, in most families that I see. And they're feeling this pinch and I'm like, well... Let's look at the numbers, tell us a story, always tell you a story. And as you said, you can always find a way. And when you're looking at a, a goal of, I don't want to be in debt before, like once the kids have finished school, this is usually a, a one that I get. Once the kids have finished school, we want to be debt free so we can focus on really making our retirement planning happen. And I'm like, we could do all of the above, but let's look at these numbers first. And in fact, what I do actually create is usually a structure where we've got the school fees happening, we've got the mortgage happening, and we've got that superannuation contribution happening. And it's all just doable, but it's telling the money where to go. And that's the strategy. You're right. Interest rates, it really doesn't matter. So this is the perfect storm because it makes people be far more aware. And investments, investment-wise too, we've been riding a good wave. We've been in that very nice bullish market and we've had to experience that I'm actually liking doing risk profile questions at the moment because it's it's bringing those conversations of well here we are in a high inflation area so now we understand the risk now we understand what this actually means so have a real think about that versus you know just wanting returns it's it what 100 i was going to say to you i mean one of the biggest things that i feel about it is remember the old book about the rabbit and the turtle okay where you know everyone's wanted to be the rabbit okay but what did the book tell us what did the story tell us it told us about the about the mm. turtle okay and the turtle's very wise doesn't try to cut through shortcuts you know and this is what it talks about in regards to becoming financially free mm. everyone okay 
It's about making sure that you've got good strategies in place. You stick to them. You base them on logic, okay? You don't try and chase shiny objects, okay? If you want a life that is meaningful, living life on your terms, you know, being debt-free by, you know, when you when the kids finish school or whenever that's going to be, it takes time, takes process, takes commitment. And I like to, if you think that I'm crazy, just think about, think about, like fitness as an example or health, okay? You can go try and do a thousand push-ups a day. Yeah, go see how you go with that if you haven't started before. But as you know, it's better for you to do 10 push-ups, then 15 push-ups, then 20 push-ups, then whatnot. If you're doing your diet, yeah, don't just go on a strict diet. You might last for two weeks. Yeah, you might look really good for the, the wedding that you've got coming up or whatever, but is that sustainable? You know it's probably better to chip away at it, chip away at it, chip away at it, and get to where you need to get to. And the other, the other thing as well too, Amy, which gives me my great excitement, and it might sound a little bit mm, to some people because in a way it pulls on my heartstrings, there is not a lot of people that have their finances in order. But if you are the one that puts your finances in order and gets it correctly, all of a sudden you're ahead of so many other people, okay? Now, Amy and me know this. The rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. If you think about the $5 trillion that got pumped into the US market, all of a sudden, a few kind of billionaires started playing space rockets, you know, with one another, okay? Why? Money gets printed. The people who know how to use it, use it wisely, and they end up capturing mm -hmm. it, okay? So do yourself a favor, get a strategy, get a plan, get up to speed with your knowledge, get your mindset in order, get some behavioral and start with the granular and work your way up and just appreciate this is not going to happen instantly. It's going to take time. It's going to take time. And these, when we go back to this rate scenario, let's take a step back and say, are my emotions getting the better of me? Logically looking at this, what can I control and what can't I control and focus on that? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. We've really got to focus on what we can control because when we think about our emotions, Really, I'm going to go on my mindset tangent here, but basically the brain is designed to keep us safe. So our emotions are just a, an indicator to say that we're in a space that is unknown, unclear and potentially dangerous. So we've got to look at it logically. This is money we're talking about. I'm in control. I actually can make some different decisions about this situation. So shut the noise and go, what can I do? Look at the numbers. It can be confronting a lot of people avoid looking at the numbers because it means that they've got to change change is something that is uncomfortable but if you push through that change I can guarantee you you're ahead of the game as John just said you're actually going to be the one that's in control and taking the steps to actually achieve those goals and and the other thing I want to affirm that you've just stated is the small habits like I'm a big believer I love that book Atomic Habits by James Clear it's habit stacking it's st setting new little behaviors even if it's every day just looking at your statement and just being aware and being mindful of your spending and not to the point of obsession by the way I'm very clear on that it's a habit of going I'm in control I'm not letting I'm, I'm seeing that my fixed expenses are paying the bills High five to me. Well done. I'm seeing that I've, my money that I've transferred is sitting in the offset. Fantastic. I'm on my way. Or even you're looking at your, say, your payslip and you know, oh, yeah, payroll are doing that. I've asked them to make that extra 
salary sacrifice of $100 a week for me. Fantastic. And celebrate those little steps. Just looking at those little, little things because in about a year's time, you can now go back and look at, wow, look how that's compounded over the year and celebrate it again in, in a space of being really mindful and, and in control versus avoiding and then worrying that the worst is happening. So when we, we don't look at those numbers, it is actually being out of control and our emotions are basically taking over. And that's not a nice place to be. That's, that's when we allow financial stress to actually creep in. And then we make dumb decisions when that happens, don't we? <laughs> 100%. I am you singing from the same oh, song Absolutely. I, I knew we would end up, you know, having having a conversation where we, we both agree. I want to just get before we go, because, you know, you do deal with the millennial space and you, you are strategizing with mortgages and whatnot. I, I sort of alluded to this when we talked about fixed and we're now talking variables and and potentially splitting mortgages. What kind of strategy do you find on average works for people or is, is there no one size fits all? What do you sort of think in terms of how you look at, because a lot of people get overwhelmed when they go see a broker and they go, I don't understand this. I don't know why they would suggest a, a split mortgage or why why do I have two offsets? Or what, what does this all mean? All right. So I think that first and foremost, yes, there's not a one size fits all as in regards to, you know, everyone's loan structure, everyone's product is going to be completely different. Okay. But one thing that is in common is is you've got to have a strategy that sits in front of it. Okay, so think about it. If you're going, if you're wanting certainty, okay. So for example, we need to be making sure that only a certain amount can come out of your cash flow to sustain what we need to sustain. So what we might do is we might look at a strategy where you're fixing a portion of your loan, okay, to make sure that we've got a ceiling in regards to the amount of repayments. Or for example, you might be going on maternity leave or paternity leave. You might be taking leaves of absence, okay, for a period of time. So we need to factor that in and then figure out how much of that is going to be fixed. Now on the front end of that, what we've also got to figure out is how quickly we can repay this mortgage. So for example, we need to figure out how much of your debt we're going to pay in the next 12 months, 24 months, 36 months, whatever it's going to be. And then a portion of that is potentially going to be invariable, okay? Depending on obviously products and solutions to match the strategy. Because what we want to be doing is obviously destroying debt. So when we destroy debt, you're going to have a portion that is variable and a potentially a portion that is fixed. But then on the back of that, we then need to figure out, okay, well, is the fixed actually providing that level of certainty and that ceiling that we need by the time we need it? Because for example, some of the fixed rates out one and a half, two percent above what the variable rate is, okay? Now, if you if we've got like this little calculator that we use that anticipates like interest rate rises, like we can put the amount that we want to put in there and we can see how far it's going to get by the time you need to either renegotiate your loans or restructure your loans in regards to your strategy. So there's a big piece in regards to what's fixed and what's variable. I know a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people will go, they'll maybe do half fixed, half variable and just kind of hedge their bets. Okay, that's that's a, that's a, that's an okay way to do it. But if you want to kind of go deeper into this and actually get it exact, like not it never will be exact, but it's close to exact as possible. That's what you've got to kind of think about in regards to all right. Well, how much am I going to pay off within a particular amount of time? How much of a certainty ceiling do I need, and how long do I need it for? Okay, and then structure it appropriately. Then around that, for example, you're talking about like offset accounts and whatnot. 
So you then got to say, for example, all right, well, in regards to my debt reduction strategy, what am I doing? Do I need offset accounts? Do I not need offset accounts? In most cases, we would say that 90 to 95% of our clients have offset accounts, okay? There's obviously reasons why that's the case on the financial planning side, tax deductibility, other strategies that we might want to be putting into play. I think the biggest one where people get caught out though is that added credit card, okay? <laughs> Don't use now, it. Psychologic, yeah, <laughs> psychologically speaking, there's people think that if they pay it off at the end of the month, that is all cool. There's studies out there that show that people with credit cards spend about 18% more than people without credit cards, okay? So when you think about those nice shiny things like points and all of that stuff that you do get, there used to be an old strategy, Amy, and you, you know, me, you've been around in the profession for a while where, you know, the, the product issuers used to say, get the credit card, pay it off after 45 day interest free period, and then wipe it through the offset account. And it was really, really kind of from the, when, as a younger guy, I was like, oh, that's cool, but there must be more to it because why are they giving out these free points? Why are they giving out these free points? So please be aware that these credit cards are actually making you to spend mm -hmm. more, okay? So when you're structuring your, those debts, when you're seeing that we're not going, hey, have the credit card, hey, have the credit card, there's reasons behind that. And that's, that's actually because of the data that's coming through in regards to spending habits and also what we're seeing, not just research-wise, but actually on the ground in regards to clients spending with and without. Oh, I totally agree. I actually have the way we teach our clients and my students in the course to do, to manage their cash flow is that, you know, if they've got an offset or they've you know, all their fixed expenses, including the mortgage repayments, come out of that offset. They get paid into the offset. All their money goes into the offset. And then they get to pay themselves into what we call our variable account. We work out what that amount is. It might be $500 a week. That's their discretionary spending in their supermarket and, you know, petrol, all that stuff. That goes into a different account. Because when that 500 or whatever the amount is, depending on families, obviously it's a, if it's a couple, it's a smaller amount. If it's a family, it's a bigger amount, depending on the life that you're living. But when that money runs out, that, that pay cycle that you're in, whatever that cycle is, if it's weekly, fortnightly, monthly, it's gone. You don't, you, you, you're done. You, that's it. You've got to wait until the next, next time, your next pay comes in where you pay yourself again. Now, if you've got a card, that sort of switch off, that doesn't exist because a card has this limitless way you can just keep tapping away and now they made it even easier with you know your apple pay you just click i don't even take a wallet out anymore i've got my phone i put my phone if i'm buying if i'm paying in a restaurant on the bill that's an indication you used to put a card on the bill you know you used to put the card there now you put your phone there it's it's a very different world but the point is if we don't tell our money where to go, it will leave. And this is a great way of getting it to leave by using those cards. So I really appreciate that you've brought that one up because, it, again, we've got to really be strategic about what, what our money is doing so that it gets done for us, for our future, for getting that mortgage down and all of those things that are important. That, that's what we want, right? So great advice there, even though it's general advice in nature, people, but great <laughs> So anything, I mean, there's so many things. I would love also to get you on another another time when we're going to talk strategy about gearing. I noticed in media they it's now being called debt recycling. It's a new sexy thing to call it, and I'm like, can we just be real and say it's it's actually we're either negatively or positively geared? Like, there's just 
talk about that and I won't I won't bring that now I'm sort of introducing this as a teaser and hopefully you'll come back on the show to talk about those kind of strategies but I felt today was really important I really am I'm grateful that you shared the fact that there is no one-size-fits-all but you really brought home that there is a lot of noise and we've got to stop thinking about the actual rates and the fear and focus on the strategy and I do encourage obviously everybody who's listening to go and seek out that advisor, you know, that specialist who is going to help you create that strategy. And definitely we'll be having all John's details in there in the show notes as well. Be following him on social, follow me. We all, there's many of us out there that have a lot of great financial literacy on our, you know, on our social media posts and whatnot, or you can get in touch and make an appointment. So I really appreciate your time, John. Anything else you want to share? Any other tips, tricks or advice you want to give us before we go? I say, well, first and foremost, thank you very much, Amy, for having me. I love chatting about this stuff and, and you know, I'll be, I'll, I'll, it'll be uh, great to jump on as well and deep dive into some other areas, especially around gearing and negative gearing. It's, it's something that I'm passionate about in regards to the way that people view, view that stuff as well too. And I've also got a very strong passion in regards to the psychology of, of what sits behind money and, and finance, I think, and, you know, get me to do anything else and I'll probably struggle. But when it comes to like psychology and money and behaviors and stuff, I just absolutely love it. It's even a passion of me. Even when I'm on holidays, I'm learning about it and whatnot, but it's just, it's fascinating how much it just has a play in people's lives. So, you know, happy to, you know, focus on both the strategy side and obviously collaborate with you as well too on the mindset and the behaviors, because I think there's a lot of values for the listeners as well too, in regards to, you know, what, what is causing them to kind of be in the situation they are and obviously what they can do about it. So yeah. And, and, you know, feel free to jump onto my socials and regularly kind of you know, giving out free content, some tools and tips and tricks, because I think there's a big, big thing in, in regards to financial literacy problems mm-hmm. in Australia. And, you know, both in my association role as well too, you know, really trying to solve that and try to work with the associations in, in, or the financial advisory associations to try and help solve that problem for Australians and, and make sure that we're all smarter with our money, you know, in one year, two years, 10 years from now. So yeah, happy to Fantastic. I did throw you under the bus there and asked you, invited you while we were recording too. So I appreciate that you've graciously accepted. And I am also, as you know, very passionate about this financial literacy piece. And both of us work with our, you know, associations and whatnot in, in that, in those fields. So I would say, John's definitely a point of authority on this topic. So definitely reach out if you've got any further questions. And if anyone wants to know, like, you know, wants us to talk about certain topics or wants to know more, please reach out. If you like what you're hearing as well, like, share, tell your friends about it because we just want to spread the word. It's really important that people do start taking control of their money. It's just going to make their lives much easier and get them to be in that space of complete control of their life, really, isn't it? So thank you again for having it, for coming 100%. on board. I'll speak to you soon and everybody have a wonderful day wherever you are. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share the love, like and share all posts. Social links are in the show notes below. Please note that any information shared in this podcast is general in nature and not to be perceived as financial advice. Please seek advice from a licensed financial advisor just like me. We also want to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation as the traditional custodians of this country we record this podcast in. We recognize their continuing connection to the land and waters and thank them for protecting this coastline and its ecosystems since time immemorial. Mm-hmm.